straight straight from the night shift you got that scholarship it was and to think it was not just a scholarship it was a job offer Today's guest is someone I know way, way back in college. We met in a Kenjutsu class back in the Philippines and we formed a very good bond since then. She is one of the respected bloggers in the Philippines and is now currently a nurse in the UK. And today's episode is just a candid conversation between me and my friend JL. And she'll be sharing to us some of her zesty experiences in the UK. Hi JL, it's been a while. Hi, how have you been? Hi, Glee. Yeah, it's been a while. How long is it? 10 years? More than that? 10 years? That's 10 years already. Oh my God. Like it's I revealing it's our age. OMG. <laughs> yeah, I think it was more than 10 years to be fair. Yeah, it is. <laughs> now, how, how, did you, how did you choose UK as being your country of like practicing your nursing degree? Apart from hey, the Philippines. Not even it's not even part of the plan to be honest. My original plan was actually Dubai mm. or or any Middle East country, not the UK. UK or England has actually been like in my wildest dreams, but was never part of the punch list to be honest. I did that IELTS. Well, it happened like this around 2013, 2014. I started studying for international exams because I wanted to go either Dubai or Abu Dhabi for that matter. Most of my classmates back in, in USC, like back in the College of Nursing, most of my batchmates, uh, well, my classmates have already been either Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Most of them have already, you know, processed their papers. And here I am, stuck in a rut, didn't actually know what to do next. Because I, I thought being in the hospitality industry, which is similar to the healthcare industry at some point, would actually be my ticket to going abroad. I mm. actually saw myself working in the hotel industry, to be honest. Marketing oh. communications was the name of the game. I was actually either part of the marketing communications team or I work as a social media manager. That has always been, or I either work in events and PR. So I was actually into... I was in a in a whirlwind of events, blogger events, hotel events everywhere. Hotel stays here, food reviews there, adventures over. So that was also the time that I have been um trying to cultivate my outdoorsy stuff. Back in 2014 or 2015, I was able to work with um one of the outdoor companies in Cebu. Mm, um, yeah, it's a well known. It's a well known outdoor brand, and uh, I had been exposed to really that. That was where I was able to to implement whatever I learned during any outdoor activities that I had or any outdoor trainings, like basic mountaineering course, wilderness first aid, all that matter. I even got into um a basic learn to scuba dive thing. Ah oh, yeah. That was yeah. That was where I wanted to really scuba dive. Because for one, I don't know how to swim. I don't know how to bike. I wanted to be a triathlete, but the only thing that I can do is to run. I'm not a fast runner as well because I'm asthmatic. So anyway, <laughs> so not that good. But as you very well know, I am 
interested into martial arts. That's where we are actually able to see each other. Yes. Um, but then again, during that time, um, being in the martial arts arena was not my priority at that moment. They didn't have the chance to actually um, work together with them. Although I was part of the pioneering class, the pioneering batch, I trained mm-hmm. under Li Ping Lei, the very first Wushu trainer in Cebu. I trained after him. I trained under him, but I was injured. Oh, so, was that after or before our Kenjutsu? That was actually way before. That mm-hmm. was way before. Because I was still high school at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like fourth year, high school at the time. And then we had our Kenjutsu class first college. year, college, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was way before. And long before I got hooked with Wushu, I was already practicing Aikido and Aikido and Kung Fu way before that. Supposedly, Wushu was just like an add-on to, you know, my interest. However, it was where I got severely injured with an ankle sprain. Wasn't able to walk for about three weeks. So I had to stop. And then I wasn't able to to go back because I have to go back to square one if I will be going back to training. Oh, with how, I, why? With, well, if you miss even one day of training in Wushu back then, when it was leaking late, you would have a hard time coping. Mm-hmm. You'd have a hard time adapting to the modules or to you know to the skills being being um, being taught because he didn't actually stay for a long time. He stayed for about like what three months, I think, four months at most, mm-hmm. and then he went back to China. And how how was he teaching the class? Is there like an inter- interpreter the or? The problem was he didn't know the language that we speak. So someone had to interpret. Mm. And mm. it was very difficult because most of his commands were his commands were um very abrupt. Mm. And he gets frustrated if you don't actually get it right the first time. Mm. He somehow gets frustrated in the long run. I mean at first he's like, okay, try to do it again one more time. But then if you can't do it again. He'll be like frustrated, which mm-hmm. would mean it would be a harder task for the next few rounds. Imagine the 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 very reason why I got injured with with Wushu was our um routine at the time was basically still calisthenics. You have to run. Remember in Cebu City Sports Complex in Abiliana, there was like the track and field oval, right? Yeah. Um, you have to actually run. As fast as you can and as far as you can. Once you reach to the end, you have to jump high as high and as high as you can. When you land, you have to run back to where you started. So it's like mm. jump, no, run, jump, run, jump, run, jump. You have to repeat that for five routines for five times. At first, I was okay, but I think due to the um, to the footwear that I was wearing as well at that time, I had a bad landing. Mm. I sprained my ankle, my right ankle. I sprained it. After I sprained my right ankle, wasn't able to go back to, to the Wushu training. It took mm. me a while to go back to the Kung Fu training, which I still have at that time. Because I was I was juggling between Aikido, Kung Fu, and Wushu at the time. Mm. So my mom said, you have to, you have to select one. You yeah, have to, give you have one. to choose. <laughs> and I was like, I can't. 
And I said, no, 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 you have to give up one. And I said, uh, leave me no choice but to give up Wushu at the time. Mm. Which I don't really understand. I don't really... At that point, I was angry. I was frustrated because I wanted I wanted to really join. Imagine imagine the, the honor of being part of the pioneer back. Yeah, so during that time, and since it was already... Well, I lost my chance. So, yeah, I just like set it aside and then moved on and then yeah so well while I was doing those adventures I was also trying to work or I was also trying to find a job in the hospital which sadly I didn't have a chance up until 2011 2012 I think as a volunteer in one of the hospitals in Cebu take note volunteer oh yeah (laughs) no payment (laughs) yeah but even before that but even before that, I was already trained with Philippine Red Cross for standard first aid. Yes. So I was already volunteering my services to Philippine Red Cross during that time as um, as an ambulance, you know, as an ambulance crew and as a chapter volunteer. Let's say, let's put it that way, as a chapter volunteer. Right. Um, because I am a registered nurse and most of my volunteers are, most of my fellow volunteers are not that gave me the edge because if I do training, if if I work well, it came to a point that I have to help out with the trainings as well. If I do standard first aid trainings, I am able to the medical background or the medical implication of doing first aid and you know, like a deeper understanding of what you are doing, right? Not just because you're bandaging or doing this and that. So I'm trying to give the rationale of why you are doing things. Opposed to, you have to do this, you have to do that. So the question that I would always throw to my students would be, why would you think would we need to do? I always start with the why and the how. So that's like, it's quite difficult for some, but I find it a way to gauge my students on the first day. So I would know who I will have trained a little bit stricter. I would know clues or which type of quizzes I will give them and what type of task I will have to throw to them. So during this Red Cross volunteering and hospital volunteering that you uh, d- did, so this was also in, you're juggling it together with that marketing, PR, events, well, coordinating course, like, thing. Imagine this. Imagine this. On a weekday, I work, let's say I work in a resort. Or I work oh, in a hotel. Mm. Yeah, imagine that. At night, if I'm in the city, at night I work in the ambulance. Or at weekends I'm a, I work in the ambulance. When yep. I was able to volunteer in the hospital, I have to request my shift either night shift only, because I have to do other work in the morning. So you're imagine you're like it. superwoman back Not then. Really. Well, <laughs> crazy. Maybe I would see. I would um. I would say I am a bit crazy. At that time. But your craziness craziness has led you somewhere where you are now, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, this craziness actually taught me how to um, manage. Even if I am out in the open. Like, imagine me landing over a job here in the UK. Who would have thought, right? Yeah, and can you go with us through the process on how how did you select it? You you mentioned oh. that yeah, you mentioned that you didn't really plan it in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Well, I would have to 
you know, I would have to give credit to one of my um to one of my peers, one of my very closest friends, John. And he's he's actually the one who made everything possible, to be fair. At one point during our ambulance run in the Philippine Red Cross, where we both worked, when we met, we we were not really um butting butting heads with each other because we were both on the same school. He was at boys high, I was at girls high. And we were on the same college. He was in college of nursing as well. So think he's my senior. Mm. So not really like a very long, um, large amount of time for a gap. He was able to actually introduce me to one of the persons responsible for giving IELTS scholarship. Yeah, IELTS scholarship most of the, um, or for aspiring nurses. But before that, he made me apply to one of the manpower resource. Well, there's a career event in back in Marriott. He just made me like prepare all my things, prepare all my papers. Good thing I have a list, a copy of all my certificates and stuff. He just allowed me or he just asked me to send a resume. And then when selected, go to Marriott. The fact is I didn't receive a reply email. So what I did, I just, went on walked in mm. and when I was asked who referred me I gave the name of my of my friend which mm. they recognized and said oh okay ma'am just come in mm-hmm. so imagine me, I was from night shift at that time because I was working back in the BPO at that time because I have to earn a little bit extra because I know I have to study for IELTS I have to prepare for other stuff it's quite a large amount to prepare so I went back to the BPO. I got a call. Oh, no, not really a call. I almost forgot that the following day would be um, the interview. I went to Marriott. Good thing my haggardness did not show. And I didn't have sleep <laughs> because I came from night shift. Mm. So went there. Went through the interview. Straight to the interview. Straight to the interview. Had a panel interview. Oh, my That's God. My luck panel interview. Good thing I was still in my sanity and in my wits at that time. I didn't mess up. So I was really worried at the same time. I was like, okay, Lord, if this is your will, then I will be done. That was actually my prayer at the time. Um, They actually announced who made it to the cut. Mm. I was like the second or the third to the last person that they called. So I was like, okay. It's like right right on that spot, like right on that day, right. straight right from the, the straight, straight from the night shift, you got that scholarship. It was, it was a, and to think it was not just a scholarship, it was a job offer. It oh. was already a job offer for the trust. So I was like, huh? <laughs> Seriously? Oh my okay. God. And that was that was 2017. And I was like, December 2017. I couldn't forget that. I was like, okay. So Christmas came early. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Wow. Um, okay, so what's next? And then so they said, okay, the next thing is you have to finish your IELTS. But we will be or the trust will be spending for your IELTS. And then once you pass your IELTS, you have to take the first part of, of the licensure, which is computer-based test. So the computer-based test is actually a series of questions, just like the licensure exam um, for nurses in the Philippines. However, it's a European setting or it's a UK setting. All you need to do is to finish everything. How long then, How long is the exam and how many questions? Well, the questions was around 190 or 190. Or and is it like multiple choice? It was multiple choice and select the best answer. That was the mm. problem. 
you have to select the best answer. And that was for CBT. However, for IELTS, it is divided into four different components, speaking, listening, reading, and then writing. Writing, task one, and task two. So when I took my first IELTS exam, I breezed through reading, speaking, especially speaking, and listening. I, I breezed through it, listening for the first time that I took it. I, I aced it at 9. Um, for speaking, I had it at 8.5. For reading, I had it at 7. My problem was my writing was actually 6.0. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Why am I getting a 6? And to think I am a writer, I got a 6. And then uh, what happened not? there? So you, do you have to... Have uh, but to it will be like an average, right? No, it was not an average. You have to get at least 6.5 okay. for everything. Oh. So I was like, okay, so I need to take it again. But the problem was IELTS is very expensive. I have to wait for a few months. And then I did like an online review as well as a face-to-face review. I only went like a very, very few times in the review center. I used to review on my own. If I am working during the day, like I am working on a corporate office or whatnot, what I'll do is I'll just have to to listen to the audio mm-hmm. and then hide the browser. Yeah, hide the browser and then just listen to the audio while I am doing my email, I'm doing my company reports, I'm doing everything. I just listen to the audio. So mm-hmm. it's different. So I have to like do the tasks. I have to do the, the practice sheets at home. I can send it via email. That's how I... I managed to pass my, my next exam, my next IELTS exam. On my next IELTS exam, I still got, um, in my writing part, I still did not fare it very very well. I still got 6.5, but well, 6.5 is 6.5. And I said, okay, Lord, if this is what you meant by passing it and having <laughs> a job offer, then yes. Next is CBT. That's computer-based stuff. Ah, that's the for, nursing. Um, the nursing stuff. Yep. I did the exam. I did the exam. The first um the first time I did the exam, I actually failed. The first exam was in Manila. The second exam was in Cebu. I had passed the second one, but the thing is with CBT, you wouldn't be told as to how much percentage you got. It's either a pass or a fail. Oh. CBT is now done, IELTS is done, I'm already cleared. What's next? Now they said, okay, since you've already passed your CBT, you have to make sure that your visa is already fast-tracked. And I was like, what? <laughs> so you have to you have to go to Manila to submit yourself for the IOM test, which is like the, the SPITUM exam, blah, blah, blah. Ah, okay, I okay. Have to undergo, yeah, I have to undergo the, uh, the medical exam. So I went to Manila again, went to the agency, did all the paperwork. And everything. Did they pay then, for um, for it, Jail? The the yeah, trust? Yeah. The, oh. the agency, yeah. The trust actually paid the agency for the processing. So I don't okay. have to pay anything. Oh. The only the only thing that I paid was for my second take for all my exams, which I failed on the first try. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, the first exam and uh, the first the IELTS and the CBT are actually free. However, if you fail, you will have to pay for the second one. Mm. Sounds reasonable. So, yeah. yeah, so it's reasonable. And then I did went over through the process. So went to Manila, went to my agency, did everything, processed everything. Have to say like two, three days in Manila for that. 
And then once everything was already processed, went back to Cebu. However, uh, my last hurdle was my OEC um, certificate. The OEC had a problem. So a day before my expected flight, I had to rush to Manila so oh that the God. agency can go to OWA and have my OEC reprinted. The regional office here in Cebu won't be able to do anything. It has to be the Manila office. So I have to call them. Yeah, I have to call them and say, Miss, you have to go to um to Owa and have my OEC reprinted because of this, blah, 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 blah. And she said, no, that's not how the OWA said. That's not mm-hmm. how, like, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, you have to talk to the regional director here on my front. So I gave, I passed the phone over to her. So they have to talk. And she was actually told off by the regional director and said, I can't do anything about it. You have to do it in Manila. Um, in Manila, I was able to do my um my PIDOS in Manila as well. So that was like simultaneously doing things at the same time. Yeah, so everything was like, whoo, in a whirlwind, <laughs> to be honest. I was racing against time during that. So after everything, I had my orientation done. Um, I was able to meet my cohort ladies, and then um, we were given the ticket. We were given, you know, the final, the final um instructions. Uh-huh. One of the best value hostels in Makati that I always say if I'm in Manila, that's the hostel. Uh, I went to the church of Saint Peter and Saint Paul, which is like 15 minutes walk from the hostel. Mm-hmm. So. It was like the last, <laughs> how was that? The last yeah, year okay. <laughs> before I left. Before you leave. <laughs> um, how, how was it when you first arrived? When we arrived in very St. Edmunds, we were surprised because we were greeted by the hospital staff as well as the Filipino community. Didn't oh. even know that something like that existed. So we were placed into our accommodation in Beacon House, one of the newly created accommodation for staff of the hospital. They prepared food for us, typical hug. Typical and, hug uh, prior COVID-19, right? Yeah, prior COVID-19. <laughs> it was like a hug. And, um, and we were also introduced to our clinical facilitator at the time, which will facilitate our OSCE training. So for all of these accommodation and all, the, all of your expenses, it's shouldered by the trust that... Not really. We were okay. only given um, two months free of the accommodation. The first two months are free. Okay. Third, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth. Yeah, the third, the fourth, and the fifth month. That's actually half the price. Um, one room in the flat with all the amenities and stuff would cost you six hundred fifty pounds monthly. But since we're new, we're given half price on our third, fourth, and the fifth month. Now, on the sixth month, it's up to you if you stay there or if you don't. Because although it's a flat, although you're having separate rooms, but it's it's different because um, the place itself is it's mm. lonely, it's depressing. It's, and plus know. the weather. So. Plus the weather. So, <laughs> okay. Not yeah. really a good combination. So, yeah. Uh, and a chance to, to rent a house. Uh, a few minutes away from the hospital. And the oh, good thing great. is, this house that I am in at the moment, in front of it, or, you know, just across it, is the Tesco Express, like a convenience store. Mm. We have a butcher. 
Plaza Cross. There is also a laundry map. There's a uh, locksmith, and mm. there's a locksmith, and there's also a um, a barber shop just across our house. Yeah, the back of our house. That's where the primary school is. We're just 10 minutes away from the town center where we buy our fresh produce, our fresh meat, or buy everything. So, so pre-COVID, yeah. <laughs> pre-COVID, I would always go to the town every week. Even with COVID, with all the hand washing, sanitizer, and mask all over, I still go to the town center because I can't get enough of the town, to be honest. I can't mm. get enough of its unique charm. Yes, Berry St. Edmunds is very small compared to Cambridge or Ipswich. Uh, I've but. been to Cambridge one time because I went there for work as well for like over mm-hmm. a month. And I went to but Cambridge. It's, nice. it's really nice. Cambridge yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> so like, it's just like near Cambridge, Cambridge this um, Bury St. Edmunds. Um, Bury St. Edmunds is 45 minutes away from Cambridge by a train. Okay. So it's really near. Yeah, yeah that's really great. Near. Yeah. And how Very is the culture? Like, well, I would say it's a proper English countryside town. It's a posh countryside town. Most of the constituents here at Barry St. Edmunds are actually estate owners. 80% of the population is elderly. And uh, most of our patients are from the community, okay. are very elderly. So common, common issues would be dementia, Alzheimer's, um, also alcohol intoxication, whether we like it or not, the Brits love their their ales. Yeah. And lagers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they love drinking. The pubs are actually open. You know, pre-COVID, almost every street in town, you would notice a drinking pub. Even our house is just like, what, 10 steps away from a pub. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so but, do, you, do you find yourself going there every weekend? No, I don't really actually go into a pub. Not Why? If I have a date. Unless if I have a date. Okay. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> if we like, do you go with uh, Filipino no. Filipino oh, yeah. nurses um, as well? Or, yeah. Um, or normally? Pre-COVID time. Mm-hmm. Pre-COVID days. We always have either a weekend eat-out session or a barbecue session. Pre-COVID days. Um, we always have like an eat-out session in one of the houses of our fellow Filipino community um peers. And how much I mean. is the how much is like the rent in Bury St. Edmunds? Uh, like a range. The range? Yeah, the range, um, this would actually range from six hundred seventy-five to seven hundred to seven hundred and fifty. Sometimes the the houses would cost Per month would cost around a thousand or a thousand two hundred, because it's like either three or four bedroom house, and oh. you seldom find a landlord here in in Barry that would allow four people in one house, like four bedroom house. So they would seldom allow um tenancy for four people that are not related. Um, most of the tenants here in Barry would only allow tenancy or you know. Someone to rent would only allow tenancy if you are a family. If mm. not, the max that you can do is four or three persons in a house, like three bedroom house. Because mm. here in the UK, you can't actually share anybody. You have to have your own bedroom, not unless it's your husband or it's your wife you're sharing. Right. 
And how is the social norms there that like you have to adjust? What are the peculiar peculiarities that it's like kind of very different from our culture well, that you have to adjust? Culture-wise, they they value privacy. So if they say they're not happy for you to come, then don't come. They value privacy in a sense that they don't like people getting nosy about what they're doing. You have to respect. Respect begets respect. Like if they respected you for what you are, you have to respect them back as well. Just be genuinely happy for everybody. Oh, I mean, that's people, great. <laughs> and then you have to get happy for them too. I mean, what's the point of getting so grumpy about it? And so right. Grumpy? Yeah, you mentioned about being a nurse in the hospital, and you had some COVID patients. How is it? Yeah. How is it being a nurse in the middle of the Wait, pandemic? Well, on the first wave of the pandemic, it was um, a shock to all of us because we don't know what to expect. Now, the second wave came in. Well, there was like a temporary freedom after being locked down, like the first hard lockdown. Mm. The second lockdown was um was like a cross between a lockdown and not a lockdown because you won't really feel it as a lockdown like the first time. The first time where everything was shut. But... Again, eventually, the people realize that the virus is there. We have to coexist with it. So on the second lockdown, the essential shops were open. Uh, did you have some ex- experiences and ex- or exposure in taking care of COVID-positive patients? Of course. Of and then how, how was it? How was the experience? <laughs> yeah, since back in December, all of my patients are COVID-positive, to be fair. Mm. Um, you have to tackle two or three different illnesses at a time. They have COVID at the same time they're diabetic, or they have COVID at the same time they have sepsis, they have chronic kidney failure, they had acute kidney injury. So it's it's a multifaceted and a multidisciplinary team that does the job. You can't do it alone. You have to liaise with the pharmacies, with the officials, and with the doctors as to what to do. Those patients that are having COVID would really need oxygen. Most of them would actually need oxygen. Sometimes they will deteriorate very quickly. Like overnight, they will deteriorate. Like mm-hmm. I had one patient who is very calm and very reassuring. However, she did get deteriorated and we have to transfer her to a different ward. And there is also one that is not symptomatic. They didn't have the symptoms, but it's positive because he was placed in an area where there are other positive patients. Oh. Yeah. So there was like either cross-contamination or whatnot because everybody was already positive. Even if we did have like close or contact base at that matter, everyone is positive. So I am still wondering why I haven't got the virus yet, <laughs> but, I am showing this, but I am showing the symptoms. Uh, and okay. I think, I think back in the first wave, I did got it, but I didn't, it didn't like progress into something fatal. Mm-hmm. Maybe because my immunity at the time was a little bit high. So it mm-hmm. didn't progress into something fatal. But I think I had it because when I did my antibody testing, which would, um, which would tell us if we had it or not, I got positive on the antibody testing, meaning I had it at some point, but I was not, um, how do I say it? I didn't really recognize it as the virus 
because maybe I just thought it was like a normal flu. Now I'm still having runny nose and, you know, cough, but I didn't have any spike in temperature yet. Could be another infection boiling somewhere. But maybe Could because it's be. just the weather because it's currently winter there and... Yeah, well, it could be the winter sickness. Yeah, as they say, it could be the winter sickness. Or, or maybe you're lovesick. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, no. Uh, it's really weird because like pre-COVID, um, I used to go on dinner dates. Mm. Not really frequently, but I did uh, a couple of times. And then COVID came and then dating just becomes so difficult. It was even difficult pre-COVID. How much more now? Oh my God. Yeah, it's like now. But anyway, um, we, like, is ho- we're hoping that it's, I don't know if it's going to go away soon. But is there some chance in the UK yeah, that... Think... Hmm? Sorry, I don't think it will come away very soon. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but it's just a manner of actually coexisting with the virus. Like, it's how you adapt it and how you treat it accordingly because what we do here in the hospital is we treat the symptoms as we appear okay mm. yeah because we don't really know what to do with it to be honest so we have to try to manage the symptoms as it appears and then try to see if that has resolved mm. um, more fluids more antibiotics more bloods did you had some patients before that were younger or they are more in the older spectrum mm, our ward is actually an elderly ward so okay. most of our patients are in the uh, in the 40s 50s 60s to 80s sometimes 90s did did someone die perhaps during their oh, battle with well, covid death is always around the corner yes um there are there are patients in our ward. Normally, there are patients that have been um, diagnosed with other illnesses and then got COVID, and then you know did the other way around, rested in peace. Mm. There are also other um, there are also other patients that we really have to transfer to a different area to have more treatment, and then the next thing we realize they passed away. It's really when you're a nurse, it's like you need to have that strength. Well, I think to... sometimes it, it's like emotional numbness, to be fair. I'm guilty of this one because there are times that I don't really feel the emotion anymore. I don't but that's good. That's, I, yeah, I think that's good for your profession. Well, I would say it's both a, it's both good and a bad thing. As it is, um, good thing because you still have that compassion, you still have that empathy towards the other. Bad because you don't really feel, it's like more of an emotional burnout. Like, mm. you don't really feel the, uh, the, the you know, the heart strings. Because there's a lot of patients. No, aside from that, it's just, it's emotionally exhausting already. Mm. We've been battling this since last year. Right. I'm out of my wits already. I'm at my breaking point. I've always been in my breaking point since last year. There are times that I do meltdowns. There are times that I definitely wanted to be alone. I don't want to talk to anyone. There are times I wanted to go out and just, you know, solo walk. Just by myself. Go out. Just enjoy the environment. 
while I'm out, a few minutes outside, and a yeah. few minutes of walking outside. Yeah, that's what I do. But it's good that you're still holding yourself together. As uh, well, so I'm far, to keep myself together. I'm keeping my sanity intact at the moment. I'm trying to pull all my sheets together, as they say. Yeah, uh, it's difficult. Exactly. And, uh, it's not easy to um to be in this type of, of, of system, to be in this type of environment, to be in this type of um, profession. Situation and as yeah, they say, profession. As they say you sign up for it, so you have to man up, suck it up, and just move on. That's how they, they say it, right? It's a brutal way of saying it. Just to man up and just do what you need to do. But the and thing I, is, I'm yep. getting tired. <laughs> Like I totally understand your your feeling right now, even though I'm not in your shoes. It's very much difficult to you know for for me as a bystander to to really feel what yeah. you feel. But I totally understand, and I guess for it's us, difficult. yeah, and for us, we we really value the contribution that our medical team, medical people has provided in this in this time because without the medical people and even the essential workers or the everyday your everyday butcher let's say you know like they are very like they're keeping us alive in a sense because you know if some like medical people and even those people who who even you know get your garbage daily garbage you know like it's 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 also like one way of um showing the community you value them when you actually recognize even the little stuff that each one contributes to the community right that's that's a very um how would i say it it's a very uplifting example um because you don't only exist by your own you don't only exist by yourself you have the other to coexist with with. yeah Yeah, so to coexist with so you have the others and um you also have the the other other circumstance to be to be thankful for right good for us that we have been used to you know the hustle and bustle when we were still back in the philippines because if not um we would have a hard time catching up with whatever life throws to us here exactly we're kind of used to seeing hardships in life so we kind of have that resilience in us and brought it to where we are currently and tried to survive from there. Yeah, that's actually just something that we should need to do. Um, survival of the fittest, as they say. Um, I would always remember. <laughs> yeah, I would Shishio, always remember. Oh my God, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I would always remember Sensei would say memory. Never yeah. say never, just get it done. <laughs> just get it done. Okay, fine. <laughs> now, now, now that I we've talked that. about it, yeah, I kind of miss our our Kenjutsu days and I hope we could at least <laughs> reconnect with our fellow Kenjutsu mates. What are your recommendations for our listeners out there who would like to visit Bury St. Edmunds or even in the UK? What can you yeah, recommend um, to them? Well, post-COVID, I would say, um, right. you definitely have to visit Bury St. Edmunds because we're a historical town. 
first things first, if you know Mary, the Queen of Scots, Mary, when she died, she was actually known as the Duchess of Suffolk. And she was buried here originally in Mary St. Edmunds at the St. Mary's Cathedral before her remains were transferred to Westminster Abbey in London. Oh. That's one. That's one. Uh, oh, no. St. Edmund is also from here. That's why we are, we are named very St. Edmunds because this is where St. Edmund was actually buried. The Abbey Gardens is actually part of a very big medieval era castle before. Only the remains now are seen. We have the uh, the Abbey Gate, the Abbey Gardens Gate, and we also have like the the adjacent um the adjacent structures are still there, the Saint Edward's Cathedral, which is a big cathedral, uh, although not as big as Westminster and the other cathedrals, but it's large enough. We also have or yeah the Saint Mary's Cathedral. We actually have one priest here in Bury St. Edmunds, that is actually a Filipino mm. coming from Davao. So that's why he's one of the uh, of the persons that would actually make the uh, Misa de Gallo a reality. Right. So that's why um that's why we were able to have the Misa de Gallo and it's his um it's his like panata. It's his like um, promise to God or it's his promise every every year that COVID or no COVID Right. By hook or by group, he would actually celebrate the Misa de Gallo just to keep the Filipino tradition alive. We also have the ancient graveyards. Although there is already a public a public cemetery near our house, actually. Just mm. a few blocks away. If is it the really creepy jail? <laughs> no, it's not. Contrary to the popular belief that graveyards and you know cemeteries are creepy, no, it's peaceful. It's really peaceful. It's serene. It's if you're looking into tombstones that are like 18th century tombstones, go to the graveyard. Oh. Like seriously, you would see a lot of those people who died in the 18th, 16th century still there. Me and our listeners, I, I, we would really hope that you will have your full recovery soon and can you share to us your social media handles oh sure um you can always detect my social media accounts guys um for for instagram i have two i have viejera sebuana and viejera sebuana underscore e so that would be spelled out as v-i-a-j-e-r-a it's like viejera like a spanish word for female traveler Mm. So yeah, because I'm part Chinese, part Spanish, so that's why. No. <laughs> oh. Um, I also have my my blog site. It's already up and running. That's viaheracebuana.net. I also have Facebook pages. It's um, I have viaheracebuana, and the other one is Tinta Nihara Humamai. It's my poetry, my literary page. It's been a while. I haven't seen you. I've, I've actually missed our Kenjutsu classes, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're, we're, just, we're just actually just resharing the memories in Facebook. Oh, no! <laughs> and how many pounds was it ago? Our lost pounds. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're the only one who didn't change. The three of us actually changed. <laughs> 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 uh.